Productions production. If anything should happen to me, you must go to court. You must say these words. Klaatu, Marada, Victor. Hello, everybody, and welcome to our 118th installment of Sci-Fi Watcher. Glad you guys could join us again on this Sunday night. Uh, my name is Corey Shrett, and joining me is my friend, Mr. Brian Lee. Brian, how's it going out there? Doing good, man. Doing well. Is it nice and cold down there in Texas? No, it feels great. Yeah, the heck with you. <laughs> <laughs> that was last week. Last week it was freezing. Yeah, what well, was it, like 45 degrees? Oh, colder like 30s. Oh, okay, oh. That, that's cold for you. <laughs> that's really cold for you. Yeah. Yeah, we got some snow here uh, Friday, uh, not Friday night, Saturday morning till like like late, late, late Saturday night. So we got about like three or four inches. So, you can keep that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to mail you a couple couple pounds of it. Oh, bless your heart. <laughs> so winter is officially hit, but I can't complain. It's the middle of December when we finally get winter here. So it's one of the best years we've had. Right. The la- last couple of years, we've had snow and hurricanes before Halloween. So I'll, I'll take what I can get now. <laughs> uh, as you guys might know, we've been talking about it on the social media sites. Uh, Elysium, the uh, futuristic film by uh, Neil Blomkamp, is coming out this Tuesday, the 17th, on DVD, and we're going to talk about it on today's show. So I can't wait. This is my first time. Brian, you saw it in the theater, right? I did, yeah. And I think we did a mini review a while ago. You can go just look up Elysium. You'll find that. And, uh, I finally got to see it this week, and we're going to talk about it. But before we do, let's talk about donations. Uh, we don't mention this often on the show, but I want to do it every so often. If you go over to our site, SciFiWatcher.com, there's a donate button up there. Uh, there's multiple ways you can help us out just by telling friends, uh, clicking the buttons to donate cash to the show, or hitting our wish list to see what we need to help make these shows sound better and get a quicker turnaround. We were talking about our digital recorder we got a little while ago, and uh, I officially used it for recording one of the Red Dwarf episodes, and it was amazing how much time it saved me. Uh, yeah. st- little things like that, little things, it's not a little thing, but things like that really do help out the network. So if you go over to our site, sci-fiwatcher.com slash donate, check out how you can help us out. Hey, you told me what, it took what? It shaved off 45 minutes off your time. Easily. I, I just did a Taurus Chronicles today. I, from moving it from the recorder to the computer, doing the little tweaks to it, it was done in under 10 minutes. So, Do you, do you recall the, the viewer's name that sent that in? Uh, it was Richard Seuss down in Sydney, Australia. Thank I, you, uh, Richard. I, thank you very much. I did send him an email after we did the show yesterday. I even sent him a screen cap of, you know, like, this is, this is done so quickly. Thank you very much. And uh, he, you know, was very grateful. And I'm so glad that he helped us out here. Yeah. And I'm, it's awesome we have some you know listeners out in Australia. That's cool. Yeah, it real it's great that somebody way over there on the other side of the world, and you know we're talking about winter and they're celebrating uh, summertime over there. <laughs> you know they're enjoying the warm weather as we're freezing our butts off up here. All right, let's get moving to the news of the week here. Uh, Johnny Depp apparently has a film coming out called Transcendence. I hadn't heard about this, but apparently a lot of people have been you know excited about it. It's uh, it's a movie directed by Wally Fitzer. He was the cinematographer for Christopher Nolan, so that kind of gives him some good cred. The synopsis is Dr. Will Castor, played by Johnny Depp, is the foremost researcher in the field of artificial intelligence, 
working to create a sentient machine that combines the collective intelligence of everything ever known with the full range of human emotions. His highly controversial experiments have made him famous, but they have also made him the prime target of anti-technology extremists who will do whatever it takes to stop him. However, in their attempt to destroy Will, they inadvertently become the catalyst for him to succeed to be a participant in his own transcendence. For his wife, Evelyn, and his best friend, Max Waters, both fellow researchers, the question is not if they can, but if they should. Their worst fears are realized as Will's thirst for knowledge evolves into a seemingly omnipre- omnipresent quest for power. To what end is unknown. The only thing that is becoming terrifyingly clear is there may be no way to stop him. Sounds like Johnny Depp might be the bad guy. Yeah, Johnny Depp, the mad scientist. Yeah, I don't think Johnny Depp's ever played a bad guy before. Well, uh, what was that one? The the Barbara one. Yeah, I, I forgot the name of the, the yeah. movie. But I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. He's played bad before. I thought. I mean, the parts of the Caribbean character, he plays kind of a bad good character. Mm, yeah, but I want bad. Ba- well, yeah, I guess this is the same thing too. A good guy who kind of goes bad. I, I want pure evil though. You're looking up the trying to think of that movie. I'm looking to see if there's any other movies that I've seen him in that he's played bad. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to think. You know, most of it's kind Usually of like he plays the hero, right? I mean, yeah. Public Enemies wasn't he? He's a he was a bad character in that. <laughs> I've never seen that, but I don't know. You know, that's that's the thing. So it's kind of interesting to see him kind of break the mold a little bit. Usually, he's the good guy. Yeah, but I, I think he can pull off uh, a mad scientist. I think that's perfect for him. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, from this description, though, it doesn't sound interesting to me. It almost, I want to see some visuals first. Yeah, it kind of sounds like a Skynet type of thing. Or yeah. like he's got a god complex. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we, have, we know nothing about it. This was in the Warner Brothers 2014 pre- preview kit. So, you know, this, this was released a few days ago. People are excited about it. So Johnny Depp does pretty good stuff. Yeah. So I will be interested once we see some trailers and stuff. Of course, we will post them and talk about them here on the show. You got an article here about the first impressions of that sci-fi show Helix starting next year. Yeah, this was pretty interesting. I mean, there was some of this I was scared to read, but it said as it was spoiler free. Mm -hmm. But uh, the guys over at io9 said that they had uh, a sneak peek at the first. They had a screener of the pilot that's coming out on January 10th. Um, they did say it did have unfinished FX, but uh, so far what they saw, they liked. Um, you know, they, they they liked the look of it. They like, uh, you know, the story of it. Um, they also said it seemed like they got the the tech right in this. And uh, go ahead, we were going to say something? Or? Yeah, it's, you know, first impressions, I was surprised that this was a sci-fi show because sci-fi usually does, you know, pretty crappy stuff now. Right, but I, I think in the hands of Richard Moore, um, there could be no wrong because of his pedigree with Battlestar Galactica. So, mm-hmm. um, I've, I I was hooked on it when I saw the first video. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about it on the show here. That's how into it we already are. Yeah, it, it looks really impressive. It comes out January tenth, I think you said, right? Yeah, January tenth is when the first the, the pilot comes out. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about it on the twelfth on Sunday. We're gonna do our review re- a couple days later on it because it comes out like late on on Friday night, and I'm, I don't want to be up at midnight talking about a show. <laughs> but yeah, it looks it looks very promising. Um, you know the stuff we've seen from them in the last several years, stuff like we reviewed on the show, like Defiance, Sharknado. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just the quality of science fiction on the network has been very very low. 
Right. I think they're tired of being bashed as being, you know, having all these other shows like wrestling and 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 I think stuff like AMC, who's a cable network, can put high quality, good writing shows on. I think Sci-Fi is going. We're kind of embarrassed now. We should be putting good stuff out too, like that. Yeah. Not the cheesy B movie stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't need Mystery Science Theater without the the conversa- without the uh, conversations from the guys. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of like what it feels like. Yeah. This looks very promising. Maybe we're going to have a, a sci-fi channel turn a corner and actually start putting out high-quality, good storyline science fiction shows again. The only thing I don't like what they say in here is they say it's going to be the next loss before it went downhill. Oh, I hope not. Yeah, I, don't, I hate when people compare it to shows to Lost. Well, you know, we're we're past that stage. I, to me, you say Lost, I think a show's like uh, Revolution's an example of a show like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a bunch of clones that came out like right after Lost hit it big. Yeah, yeah. I don't. This doesn't have a Lost feel to me. I, you no. know, I'm thinking it's gonna, there's going to be probably like a season long story arc or something like that, which we've had on Fringe. You know, it looks like we have that on Almost Human, but it's not going to be like every week. It's like we're just going to give you more questions and not answering them. Right. But we will check it out and make sure you guys check it out on Sci-Fi. It's going to be on January 10th at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And we'll review it here on Sunday Night Show. So Firefly, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Firefly lives on. There's, gonna, there's a game coming out called Firefly Online, which is, launches for the PC and Mac. And... Uh, io9 got the first glimpse of some of the ships and characters and stuff and there's a whole article which we have in the show notes showing you know the firefly universe that you can play in yeah it looks pretty interesting i'm looking at the pictures um they show the different uh classes of ships which is kind of cool um probably not a game i would play but i'm sure there's diehard fans that are gonna eat this up yeah, the website's keepflying.com for the Firefly stuff. I'm not, I'm, yeah, I wouldn't be playing it, but the fact that it looks like the Firefly universe is a plus. Mm-hmm. And it's nice to see that there's actually licensed Firefly things out there going on that's brand new. Did it say anything in the article about Joss Whedon having any input in this, or is it completely separate? No, well, I mean, obviously he has to give his okay somewhere. But in the, uh, I was reading at the end of the article here, somewhere in the article, that he's kind of busy right now. Oh, yeah. So, so he's never had any hands-on on it, <laughs> you know? Well, it'd be nice to have him um, jump in and, and add some kind of story to it. Something he had, like like a story he didn't get to tell or, you know. Yeah. I mean, you never know. He, he might down the road. Uh, we'll maybe see how it picks up. And that's probably going to be the thing, though. You know, they're, just like all these other games, they're talking about it's going to have regular downloadable content stuff, so it's probably like spend more money. I hope it's not one of these type of games. I don't know if you have to pay for the game or not. It, it doesn't... Oh, any of these online games, you got to pay a monthly subscription. Yeah, but I'm not, I'm not talking about that part. I'm talking about you get these games where it's like, hey, you want this really cool ship? Oh, you got to pay us real money type of yeah. things. You know, like the Facebook games and stuff like that. I hope it's nothing like that. But I think the people that are diehard Firefly fans and that love these online type of games, they're just going to go crazy over it. Yeah, I think that's this is awesome. Yeah, I do too. So uh, go check that out. Um, I saw this article, and I didn't get to, to it, but you did before me. Uh, spandex uniforms? Yeah, this is talking about the spandex uniforms used in Star Trek The Next Generation. It's kind of disturbing in a way. Mm-hmm. It puts a visual in my head that I really didn't want there. 
um, I guess they were talking to, uh, you know, one of the costume designers, Bob Blackman, who has, you know, worked on the show. And, uh, you know, they're asking him questions about the, the spandex uniforms. And uh, he gives a little quote here. He says, the spandex retains odor. So there's a certain part where if you're wearing them for a long period of time, you, you can't really clean all the smell out and it becomes a very big, a little bit annoying. <laughs> it also retains the odor for, uh, of the dry clean fluid. It is on a day-to-day basis unpleasant. So they may look cool on the show, but I'm sure being there was probably awful. <laughs> <laughs> I will never watch the show again in the same way. Yeah. And you know they were working. I know they work like 12, 16-hour shifts. Those lights are hot. You're sweating. Uh-huh. Body sweat. Yeah. Ugh. Yummy. <laughs> Yummy. I'm surprised that it took, you know, 20, 26 years for this to come out. I know. But it does say later on that by the third season, they replaced the spandex leotards with looser wool uniforms. So well, at least they can breathe. Well, it's true, <laughs> though. If you do notice that the uniforms do change. Yeah. Which does kind of make sense. Thank God. Could you imagine being on that show for seven years in that funk? Well, not only that, someone linked to that. Remember we had that story about uh, Riker, how he used to put his leg over everything? Mm-hmm. Imagine the smell added to that. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, the funk would just be, woof. Yeah. Oh, I don't want <laughs> Thanks for putting that in my head. See? Now you got a visual in your head. Oh, now, yeah. We're going to see videos now of little, like, little, like, vapor trails and stuff when they're walking. <laughs> oh, boy. That's, that's wonderful. Um, occasionally we do lists here and I got a list from the geek twins about the 11 most powerful voices on in sci-fi. And I hope this isn't in order because I would have arguments with this. Um, quickly, I'm going to go through this list. Uh, the Vin Diesel's in here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Peter Cullen. And I couldn't, I didn't realize who the name was. He was the 1980s version of Optimus Prime. Yeah. And they were, they, they used him again for the new movies. Yeah. To me, he is Optimus Prime. Yeah. He was in the Transformer films too. Uh, of course, George Takei. Oh my! <laughs> I, I don't. You know what's funny is I don't think his voice is memorable from science fiction. I think his voice is memorable from after the fact. Yeah, you know, his voice wasn't memorable during the show. No, because now it's the oh my type. You know, you always hear him saying that he makes fun of himself. Right. So I don't put him in there. Ian McKellen. He's a Shakespearean actor, so he's going to have a distinct voice. X Men, of course, Magneto, Gandalf. Hmm. Uh, this one I don't like. In the, the, mem- a, a well-known voice, but I don't like it. Kelsey Grammer in here for being Beast in X-Men Last Stand. Yeah, that could have been taken out. Yeah, I mean, to me... I don't think he's very memorable. That was like the worst of the X-Men movies, too. Yeah, I mean, but Kelsey Grammer has a, a memorable voice. Yes. But I wouldn't yes. put him in this sci-fi list. Um, Patrick Stewart, of course, but these Shakespearean actors kind of get an edge, in my opinion. You know, they already have a distinguished voice as it is. Right. Uh, Alec Guinness, another Shakespearean actor. You know, it's like you're kind of cheating putting these guys in there. Yeah, these are most memorable, though. Oh, I agree. They're the most memorable. They put Morgan Freeman in here, too. I mean, because he was in Deep Impact. Uh, nah. He's got a memorable voice, but on science fiction, I'm going to say no. That's a stretch, yeah. Uh, they got a guy getting Kevin Conroy who played uh, the voice of Batman. 
mm-hmm. um, in the uh, animated shows they did. I, I never watched those shows, but a lot of people are fans of it, so I can't agree or disagree with that. Definitely. But I don't think he should be in a sci-fi list. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, that see, you're getting in the gray area. Superheroes. Yeah. You know, you kind of like wonder where they they land up. Is that fantasy? Fantasy sci- sci-fi? Where's that going? Mm-hmm. Leonard Nimoy, of course. You know, he played Sentinel Prime in the Transformer: Dark of the Moon film, which if you didn't fall asleep, you'll remember that. And of course, <laughs> he was on a show called. Um, let me look. Fringe. I think it was called Fringe. I don't. I don't remember that. Star one. Trek too. Yeah, Star Trek. But fr- I mean, Fringe now for the the younger generation too. Yeah. So he's got made a good dent. And of course, number eleven, which I think is number one, should be number one on the list. Of course, is James Earl Jones, mm-hmm. the voice of Darth Vader. Oh yeah. You 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 have to have him on this list. I think they were kind of stretching trying to come up with eleven names. Well, they they. I was reading the comments, and then. Um, I believe what they said in the comments is right. They said replace grammar with Avery Brooks or oh, maybe yeah. Keith David. Mm-hmm. Avery Brooks, of course, uh, the captain for uh, Deep Space Nine. Yeah, Deep Space Nine. Come on. He's got a yeah. commanding voice. Yeah, true. Keith David, um, he's he was in uh, Pitch Black. He's been in other stuff too. Mm-hmm. And they said he's the voice of Spawn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's got a distinct voice. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. It's almost like it's clickbait. Mm-hmm. Like we couldn't, like it's like you know I want to make a few dollars, so let me throw this article together. I don't even see a name of who wrote this. <laughs> it's the Geek Twins. Yeah, it's just it's, Maurice and Nigel. Yeah, I guess so. That's what the name says on the banner. So I'll have to agree with you on that one. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on here to the coming soon part of the show. Of course, these are trailers of upcoming shows and movies, and uh, Brian's got a bunch of them. Of course, the big one I think this week people have been talking about was Jupiter Ascending. Yeah, that came out of nowhere because I, I heard about it a long time ago, but I had no idea this was going to come out. And, uh, you know, um, it's the Wachowski siblings. Is that what we're going to call them now? Or I think, they go by, I think they go by the Wachowskis. Okay, the Wachowskis. I, think, I right. think. Can't call them brothers anymore. No. But this is their next big thing after Claude Atlas. Um, they're calling it a space opera. And um, at first I didn't understand what was going on. I had to actually read – um, you know what the storyline is, mm-hmm. and supposedly this Jupiter is, uh, you know, a she's from another planet, and now the Empress or whatever that planet wants her dead because she's the next lineage to the throne. I guess she was taken to Earth as a baby, mm-hmm. and now it, it, it's their their turn to to get her and and save her, so she can herself on the throne it looks pretty interesting got a lot of cool special effects i mean what, what did you think of the trailer i i was excited to watch this and i finally watched it today and i'm not I, it looks pretty but i'm not impressed with what's going on here i'm like uh eh. uh mila kunis is in it and that kind of like turns me off a little bit that she's in this type of movie um i mean she's been good in other movies before it just feels like she's not playing like a lead character that well yeah she's a lead character but she's like uh scared running scared kind of mm-hmm. thing yeah which is a good movie on its own i don't know if i was talking to you about this but i was talking to somebody else maybe that isn't this like a uh, men in black 2 storyline <laughs> that's you know we weren't talking about but you're right i was trying to figure this sounded like another film already you're right they're trying to find the what's her name she's she's hiding in orion's belt yeah or orion yeah whatever it is 
Yeah, it's the same idea. You're right. Um, it looks pretty, though, but I don't know if I'd want to go to the movies to see this. It doesn't, from what I've seen so far, nothing really interests me to go watch this at the theater. It looks like a, a typical CGI popcorn film. Mm-hmm. Um, I said this, and you, you, you thought it, and you said it, too, when, uh, what was that film you went to see last year, the robot film? Pacific Rim. Pacific Rim. I said, this would be an awesome Godzilla film, and now we have our first teaser trailer for Godzilla. And oh my God, it's not the campy 90s version. <laughs> well, that, see, that's the thing that turns me off from them making a Godzilla film is we grew up in that generation where we had Matthew Broadwick and this weird lizard type of creature in New York City. Yeah. I, so you're saying you like that one? No, God, no. I, <laughs> I, I'm, I, grew, up, I grew up with the, the 1960s guy in a suit, you know, terrorizing Tokyo movies. Well, um, I got to see this when I watched The Hobbit on Friday because, hey, of course they're going to have this teaser on it. Of course. And seeing it on the big screen, it looks it looks pretty menacing. I mean, especially seeing the Godzilla character in a, on a huge screen. And I'm, I'm glad they didn't, didn't not show the Godzilla. I'm glad they showed Godzilla. Yeah. They didn't hide it or anything. But I think the, uh, it's even more impressive than the bots in Pacific Rim. I'm just curious to see what kind of story we get out of this. And uh, this is directed by Gareth Edwards, who did Monsters. Remember we viewed that way back when? Mm, yeah. <laughs> like, wasn't it like the first or second or third episode? I can't remember. I'm going to look that up. Um, but yeah, the, uh, I don't, I mean, this looks pretty, but I, I, I want to know what the story is going to be. I mean, obviously Godzilla comes to Texas City. We have to stop him, but I hope there's more to it than that. I mean, it looks very cinematic. Which which I, I I'm gonna enjoy hopefully. Episode six was monsters. There you go. Yeah, um, that's the thing. I'm I'm glad that the Godzilla. He looks a little different, but he still kind of looks like the classic Godzilla. But I don't want it to be like Cloverfield. That's the thing. You know, it looks it feels a little bit like Cloverfield the way that you know they're obscuring the Godzilla so you can barely see him. But this is a teaser trailer. I don't think they want to give you too much. They gave us, but they give you enough to actually see it. Without actually seeing it. I like all the uh, devastation happening, all that. Yeah. Um, interesting. Uh, it's about time we get a Godzilla film. You know, Pacific Rim said, hey, now you need to have a Godzilla film. Yeah. Good seeing Brian Cranston again, too. Yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be strange. You know, I'm uh, so programmed with him being uh, Walter White for so long yeah. at Breaking Bad. You know, but he's a hell of an actor. Right. You know, I mean, I, I you you never watched, but I watched Malcolm in the Middle with him, and I watched it for years. And I'm like, okay, you know, he plays Hal on Malcolm in the Middle, and then I watched Breaking Bad, the first episode, the night it premiered, and five minutes into it, I'm like, I completely forgot. No, I wasn't. I was. I totally forgot that he played that character. Yeah, because I got sucked into it. It was like, wow. So I think he'll be in this, and it'll be just like you'll be like, oh wait a minute, that's Brian Cranston. I forgot. <laughs> it, it it looks pretty pretty cool impressive wise but i want to see some storyline um this one's another big one we heard about this week edge of tomorrow this is that tom cruise one right yeah and um this looks pretty good too i mean there was a lot of trailers this week a lot of sci-fi trailers and i, I was just shocked but uh this one i really don't know what's going on i mean did you get a did you understand what was going on in this no clue 
I kind of I, I thought it's like a game. It felt like he's inside a game, and he's being rebooted. It was kind. Of, it kind of felt like um, a ton. It felt like a science fiction version of Groundhog Day. Yeah, with with him, but it's him and another person that's reliving the whole thing over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm totally lost, but that 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 could be a good thing, maybe. And I think I, I think I think he needs to do something different to figure out how to break this loop, kind of like Groundhog Day. It looks impressive. Mm-hmm. It looks good. I just think the, the 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 machines that they have on him are a little too bulky. Like he couldn't do all the things he was doing in that in those suits. Well, maybe the suit was helping him out do those things too. Yeah, maybe it's like uh, like an exoskeleton or something. Yeah. yeah. It looks cool though. The suit looks really cool. Kind of reminds me of the exo suit that we're gonna talk about in Elysium. Yeah, it's just a <laughs> little bit bulkier. <laughs> yeah. And we've been talking about this for weeks now. I guess the first teaser trailer for uh, that Christopher Nolan film Interstellar came out this week too. And boy, is it a teaser because you barely see anything. Well, this film doesn't come out till like late next year. Oh November? no, a year, yeah, a year from like a year from now because it says like one year from now or something like that at the end. November seventh. Yeah. I don't think they have much done. I mean, it looked like it was just a bunch of like clips they got online and like a few scenes of, you know, Matthew McConaughey driving around and yeah, that's it. And I'm like, okay, this doesn't but boy. T- Matthew McConaughey is going, he's doing a lot, a, a lot of stuff. I don't know how he finds the time. Cause he's also has an HBO show coming out. I'm kind of glad he's doing different things too. Yeah. Yeah. Not one of those. Let me take my shirt off here, guys. You know, <laughs> I mean, it looks cool. Uh, is it about the space program? Is it like future or is it present? It's hard to tell with this. I know. It's too early to tell. Yeah. But I think it's just out there to let you go, hey, I'm Christopher Nolan. I'm making this film. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm still here. Yeah. It's in good hands. Hey, remember I did that film, that, that Dark Knight movie thing? Yeah, I'm still here. Don't worry. <laughs> but I mean, are you okay with all the B-roll? Because I would say what? 90% of it is B-roll from the space program. Yeah, it is. But I think, I mean, there's a buzz about this. I think they just want to get it out there to keep the buzz going. Yeah. Just to let you know, hey, we're on a clock here. We've got about a year. But it's understandable. It's not like, oh, it's coming out in January. We don't have any footage for you yet. Yeah. But what is it? I mean, it looks like I see a spaceship of some kind at the end. Yeah. Right? It's like they're watching a rocket or something launch or but it, does it look like a 60s rocket to you? I don't know. That that's the thing. It's this this kind of has the 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 dating of its ambiguity. Is it like the present, the past, the future? You don't really know from what you see. I guess that's a good Well, I mean, you look at Matthew McConaughey going off from the uh his farm and it looks like a modern vehicle. Yeah. But I can't tell by the rocket ship cuz it's so far away. I think that's that's why it's a good teaser. It gets yeah. you thinking. The plus, plus they probably haven't, probably all the special effects type of mo- parts of the movie haven't been done yet. Or, yeah. you know, so they got to just give you the stuff that's easy to throw together. Does it make you want to see it? It makes me want to know more about it. <laughs> I, I, does it make you want to see it? I need more in order to make that decision. <laughs> I, I can go get you some NASA B footage right now and say, do you want to see this movie? You know? Yeah. I mean, really, that's all it is. It's really a fluff piece. Yeah, Come it on. is. It, that's why this is a teaser. You know, that's all it's there for. Just to let you know, hey, we're working on this film. You'll get it eventually. Uh, before we move on here, let's take take a minute to stop and talk about Doctor Who. That's right. I do a show with my friend Bill Costantini 
called TARDIS Chronicles, where we geek out on all things Doctor Who related, including news, rumors, and so much more. If you head on over to TARDISChronicles.com right now, you can catch us doing our Christmas specials. We just finished up doing Voyage of the Damned, uh, and uh, we'll be doing more next week, and we'll be, of course, celebrating the new Christmas special coming out on Christmas Day. Head on over right now to TARDISChronicles.com to download or subscribe, and join us on Sunday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern Time as we do the show live. All right, let's move on to Sci-Fi Potpourri. This is the part of the show where we talk about anything and everything worth checking out online. And believe it or not, me and Brian each got one, and they're both Star Wars related. So what's the one you got for us, Brian? Surprise, surprise. Um, this one's kind of cool. It's actually a fan-made uh, live-action short, and it's made by a uh, university student. His name's Daniel uh, Kemmies. He, he, this was for a university project, zero budget, you know, um, it's just showing a scene of Darth Vader, and I guess he's attacking his apprentice. That's what I, I, I get out of it. Um, it's only like 30 seconds, even though the, the video is like a minute long. I know. I, I, I hit play. I'm like, okay, we're going to get something. All of a sudden, it's like, all you see is Darth Vader walking. He blows the doors open, and they hit lightsabers, and that's it. I'm yeah. Like, I mean, there's not much substance there, but I thought it was cool since, uh, I mean, it looks good for somebody with no budget. Kind of feels like it could be part of one of the movies. Yeah, it's got the feel. It's got the good um, beats to it. So. Mm-hmm. I just like the fact that the apprentice was using two lightsabers. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like the like the the Darth Maul one where it was like you know lightsaber on both ends. It was two separate lightsabers he had. Right. So I would like to I would like to seen like the fight. Maybe, maybe we'll get he's going to do more since people are are watching it. Maybe, maybe he just did that for a test. You know, so, you know how these colleges are. Maybe it's just like, oh, we just want to do this to see what it looks like for fun, and you know, right. I'll get bored sometimes. They just throw something together. Uh, let's go back to the classic era, uh, Empire Strikes Back. You guys all remember the big at ats or ATATs? I don't know. There's so at-ats. many different. Yeah. I know. I call them at ats. Well, you know those big four-legged metal machines that slowly go across the landscape. There's a little clip here uh, showing you how it was done, voiced over by Dennis Murren, who uh, directed the effects of photography on it he, he explains how the models were done how they assembled the sets believe it or not they actually used baking soda which is interesting for the snow for consistency i guess <laughs> wow and it's it's sped up so that you see them running over there moving things little by little and uh it's just it's just great to see behind the scenes stuff of star wars i thought it was pretty good i, I watched the video mm-hmm. um it's just pain painful to watch because of you know what they had to go through like every they had to move those things very minute movements and then take a picture and move them you know but you know what there's something about that Um, i mean it works for what it is because they're very robotic and they're staccato like they say in the in the in the video right it works for the what what you're looking at i'm and i'm always a fan of the stop motion stuff i'm a huge fan of uh, ray harryhausen who had done the films in the 60s and 70s, like Jason the Argonauts with like the skeletons fighting, where he, it's that stop motion stuff. Yeah. You know, and, you know, this company, when Empire Strikes Back came out, this stop motion stuff was so amazing, it looks like it was real movement. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, and it looks better than the computerized CGI type of things. But we've always said that, you know. And uh, I, I, I just love this stuff. And I don't know how they did it. You know, they spent, you know, days and weeks and stuff just to get, you know, these things to move a couple inches on screen. Right. But what you see on screen is very little screen time, but 
and actual man hours takes forever. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty impressive. So go check out all those links we talked about, plus so much more over in the show notes over at SciFiWatcher.com. All right, movie of the week, of course, is Elysium, starring Matt Damon, Jodie Foster, and seems like this guy always shows up everywhere, Charlotte Copley. Copley Copley? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. Okay. <laughs> and the reason, the reason he's in this film, of course, because it's directed and written by Neil Blomkamp, who did District 9. Right. Which we reviewed many episodes ago. Came out August 9th, 2013. 109 minutes long. Uh, one of those future world, future times, you know, late 21st century, diseased and polluted on the planet. All the rich people left the planet and are living in a big space station in orbit that you can see from the Earth, which I think is pretty cool that you can see it from the Earth. Yeah. It's Los Angeles, 2154. It felt like to me, I don't know if it felt like to you, it almost felt like kind of like the same universe as District 9 a little bit. Those, the, the, where, where, uh, where Max, the main character, lives, it kind of felt like the same area that the aliens lived yeah, in. Yeah, it's District like 9. an impoverished area, right? I mean, but it's set place in Los Angeles instead of um, South Africa. Yeah, but it looked like the same sets. It's like, like look, where are the aliens? Where, aren't they going to pop out at us somewhere? <laughs> You know, it's like you could feel that it was a Neil Blomkamp film right from there. Um, we talked about the robots before. I love the look of these robots. They're kind of sleek. They kind of have a human movement to them. Yeah, we, we actually showed a video in one of our podcasts about how they did that. Yeah. Which, um, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's really a human with a, you know, something's on his head to, and then and they replace that digitally. Right. Yeah, I like that. Uh, yeah, I, I like the fact that Max, the main character played by uh, Matt Damon, is a is an ex-con. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not he's not like a, a a normal typical guy. He's he's. It seems like everybody for the mo- all the main characters in the show are are none of them are pure good. You know, right? I mean, he, he's the closest to pure good, but he still has you know ulterior motives, and he'll he'll do illegal things to get what he needs to do. <laughs> you know, there's that one scene where the police are checking his bag at the beginning, and, right? Uh, he gets in trouble and he has to report to his parole officer, and he goes into his parole officer. I'm like, oh look, it's Johnny Cab from the Total Recall film. <laughs> Come on, you thought that too, didn't you? Yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, it's like it's like, oh boy, it's Johnny Cab again. It's like it's guy, a ruder, it's a ruder version of Johnny Cab, though. It, 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 I love it. He's like, is that sarcasm? Are you using sarcasm against me? <laughs> You know, it's just like it's interesting. It's like you want some medicine. I, I love I love the scene there that the fact that these robots can pick up on sarcasm and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so he works at a factory that actually makes these robots. I was trying to figure out first, like where does he work, and then, then you, later on you see he works at the factory that makes these robots. Yeah, I mean something must have happened to him when he was doing his lifting of of cars, and then this is his his punishment. Yeah, I, I work in the factories. Well, he's on parole, so yeah, and there's the only job he can get. Yeah, well, he lives. Hire anybody there? Yeah, you know they don't care, and and they'll they'll fire people too. They don't care. It's a high. Sounds like high turnover rate. If you don't do the job, we'll get someone else to do it. Yeah, you know. um, We get to see that apparently, you know, the people in Los Angeles they want to get up to Elysium. That's the name of the the space Mm -hmm. station in orbit. And we see that they they try to hack the computers and get codes so they can get their these shuttles to go up there. It was interesting to see these three shuttles try to get to Elysium, and the fact that you know they have a guy, Agent Kruger, 
on earth that you know if they need him they like activate him to go to to stop him i love how he had this like weird bazooka type of gun that he shot up into space and blew up two I, of the three yeah, shots but i just think that maybe i'm i'm wrong but to have tech like that that can you know this bazooka is going to get there faster than they ever travel but you know. Well, that's the thing. I, that that was the part I didn't think of. But it, it, it they really weren't like bazookas. They they kind of looked like little rockets because they had like stages that broke off on them. Oh yeah, I know. But to well, get to them that fast, it just seemed kind of crazy. Yeah, you're right. I didn't think of that, but you're right though. It took them so long to get to that point, and then the all of a sudden, within five seconds, you know. Mm-hmm. I did like the look that they because one of the ships crashes into Elysium. I love mm-hmm. the look of Elysium. It kind of had that 2001 look yeah. where everything was a circle but the fact that it was opened up the the inside of this the circular dome thing or whatever like that is is the the houses and the green grass and stuff like that but there's no like upper shield it's like an invisible you know shield that you can see the see the the the, the darkness out there the stars the earth or whatever it also it reminds me of halo um the video mm. game because they had a halo like that that was a planet okay it looked a lot like that that's 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 a good that's good. I didn't I didn't pick up on that one. Um, I like the idea that they had these weird. Um, I want I call them barcodes, but I don't know what else to call them. Yeah, you know? you can, they can be like barcodes. They're like barcodes, but they were like their skin was raised up. It wasn't just like a like a tattoo or anything. Yeah, I like that idea. That was that was something different. I mean, it makes sense. It's like sealed into your skin. <laughs> yeah, be, yeah. Because the thing is, uh, in Elysium, there's no diseases. If you're sick. Or whatever they you, they put you in the machine, it's almost like an MRI machine, and they scan you if you're a citizen. Then all of a sudden you're healed. That's yeah. some awesome tech. I want some of that tech. Yeah, that that's a great tech. <laughs> uh, and then and then we get you know we get back to Earth and we find out that Max is working this place, and I didn't un- really understand what was going on, but a door was jammed, and he went in there to unjam the door, and he got stuck inside, and then he got irradiated. Irradiated? Do the I didn't. I didn't know what they were doing to him. Like, I guess uh, they were radiating. They radiate those parts, I guess, to seal the paint, and I don't know what else it's used for. Hmm. May basically radiate those um, machine parts. Hmm. Okay, I was like, I was like microwaves, and like he's kind of frying in there, but he's not, you know, frying. But it's kind of weird, though, you know. They make him sign a, a medical thing, and he gets some pills. <laughs> he's like. These will these will make you function normally until you die until in five you die. days. Yeah, you're gonna die in five <laughs> days. These are, meds will keep keep you functioning until death. <laughs> you know, have a nice day. And then and then and then we go back up to the, the the Elysium and Jodie Foster, who's in charge of something. She's not in charge of the place. She's like in charge of security or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, what did you think about her character, by the way? She, well, I liked her character. The thing that that really grabbed my attention with her character in, in the in the movie in general. Is she had an unusual type of accent? Yeah, I mean, she was. I guess she was uh, French because I saw her in parts that she was talking French, and maybe it was like a mixture of French English kind of thing. But she also speaking German at one point too. Yeah. So I was like, okay, this is interesting. That's the one thing I liked about this film is the fact that it wasn't English. You know, we start off with Spanish, English, French, German. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not. I like mean, this it, is twenty. What did they say? Twenty one fifty seven or something yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. So a lot can change in that amount of time. So that's cool. So I thought it was interesting that it wasn't just one language that they had, which was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I liked her character. She was, um, you know. I, don't know. I think she was kind of wasted. I, I, I think that they could have used a better 
But she wasn't. Yeah, well, the funny thing, though, is I'm, you know, you look at the posters and stuff. She's second build in this film. And I'm like, why? Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, it should, it should be Kruger. You know, the character played by, uh, you know, Chartol should have been second built and not her. Well, I mean, she's everyone knows her. That's why. That's true. I, I guess it, I guess it was name recognition. It's name recognition, right? Yeah, because I think yeah, you're right though. They kind of underused her, but I like the fact that we had multiple storylines going here. They and, and we didn't get confused. She wanted, she wanted um, to have a coup up in Elysium and take over as the president because the president just wasn't letting her do what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. She wanted her more character control. seems a little one dimensional though. Yeah, and then you had the uh, what's his name, Carlisle, who was working for her on the planet. He wanted. She wanted to reboot the systems and all that stuff, and he, you know, he's going to get her the data and stuff. And he he sold the uh, the droids to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's the one. Yeah, he's the he's the boss of the company that Max worked for. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you had Max's story, where he wants to get up to Elysium because he's dying, and that's yeah. the only place that can cure him, and he'll do whatever he can to get up there. And then you got the other story of you know his the friend that he was a little friend of his when he was a little kid, uh, Frida or. Frey. Frey. And her daughter's dying from leukemia. It's not really her daughter. Oh, it wasn't? I think it was someone she was caring for at the hospital, right? I don't know. Oh, you could be right. I'm sorry. I thought it was her daughter. He was, why would she take this kid home? Okay. And she said mommy. She did call her mommy, too. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Mommy, who's that man? Yes. Well, I remember her at the hospital, and he was saying, like, you know, you got to take her home. Mm. And she's like, I just want, to, want her to stay here. And like, no, you got to take her home. I think he wanted to keep, she wanted to keep her there because she's working so much. Yeah. And it's easier to keep an eye on her at the hospital than, you know, have her at home. And if something happens, God forbid, she wouldn't be there. Okay. As I, I, that was my interpretation. But, yeah, she is her daughter because it does say mommy. Um, I, I, I had a moment here, you know, that Carlisle guy is going to go up to Elysium to bring the, the data that he has. He transferred from the computers to put in his head. And I love the fact that he puts a, uh, a firewall. Backdoor virus? Yeah, yeah where if, if, it's, if you use it, you can either, he's choice of paral- paralyze or death, and he picked death. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I like this. It was like Bluetooth technology. You notice that all these people had these little things behind their ears, like brain implants or whatever it was. I think um, Blancamp did a good job of creating a, a believable world, I think. Yeah. And then and he got in the shuttle, and then the shuttle gets shut, uh, shot down, stuff like that. I was that moment there. I'm like, oh yeah, I saw this before. It was called Escape from New York. <laughs> you know when the president is in this pod, and he's like, yes. I'm like, this is Escape from New York. I mean, it wasn't like a ripoff. I think of, this is taken from a lot of different stories. I do too. But that that one scene there, I was like, okay. It was it was interesting though. It's like okay, okay, I can see where you're going with this. Um, I'm glad that we Kruger and Max bump heads right away I, I was when i'm starting to watch this film I'm like oh please don't let it be one of these films where max and kruger you know it's, it's like i'm chasing you i'm chasing you i'm chasing you and then all yeah. of a sudden i catch up to you right at the end and that's it I, I think that the actor i can't pronounce his name the guy who plays kruger right he's a pretty versatile actor i mean when you think about what he played in district nine and mm-hmm. what he's playing now they're total total opposites mm-hmm. the guy is a chameleon he really is like when he played the A-Team guy and he was the comedy relief, you know? Yeah, he, he's so talented. Yeah. Uh, I, I could watch him in any movie. At mm-hmm. this oh, yeah. So, yeah, we, I skipped the whole part with the, the, um, 
the brace on him. So he's like weak. You know, he's going to die in five days. He's so weak. They put this like Iron Man type of exoskeleton on him so he can still move. You know, it seems like he wouldn't be able to walk without it. I guess it enhances his his movements, right? It just yeah. makes some super strength. Yeah, it felt like that because there was that one scene where he ripped off the head of one of the robots. Right. It was like, ooh, that's pretty nasty. Now, that's, what? Did the the brace help him with his effects of his of the uh, radiation? I don't think so. Okay. I think the meds were helping him a little bit, but I don't think the the brace was there. I think it was there so he he could walk more because he was getting weak. Gotcha. It's okay. like they they needed that. And that scene where they actually put the brace on him, it was I was like cringing there. You know, they're they're like using bone saw and like drilling, screwing the stuff into his body. It was kind of freaky. It was. It's it's like it's actually you know connected to his body it's not like it's just wrapped around his arms and legs and stuff right like an exoskeleton like an alien or something like that it's like ooh, this is a little gruesome here um I, I i had a cringing moment at one point uh when when they when you know max and all those guys they go up to elysium and as the ship crashes down you know jodie foster's character she's like make sure everyone's captured by homeland security i'm like oh god homeland security still exists <laughs> they've upgraded i'm like oh god they're still there we can't get rid of them <laughs> I didn't understand how the other shuttle got up there with the uh, with their friends, you know. Oh well, because um, when uh, what you call it when Kruger was with uh, Matt Damon and they're in that ship, Jodie mm-hmm. um, Foster's character was like, "Bring down the no fly zone," and then you know you you cut to uh, that guy going, "Okay, now we can fly," because they were on lockdown, right? Or they had put it on lockdown, so they couldn't even fly up there. And as soon as uh, Kruger found um, Max, she's like, "Okay, everyone can fly up now." Yeah, because they had let them fly up to to come up to the. Was his name Spider or Julio? I can't remember which one. I want to say Spider. Spider. Yeah, Spider. Was the guy Julio was the friend that got killed earlier on? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. When that when the shuttle crashed though, uh, Kruger's head basically gets blown off. That was a cool scene, except for the brain activity. And then they show you how they you know they put him in the machine and it fixed him. That was like kind of like a Fifth Element moment when you're rebuilding, mm-hmm. when but they did it really fast. Yeah, I just think that was crazy. I think he would have been dead. Yeah, uh, they capture Max, and I get this cringing moment where Max is on the the gurney and he breaks off the gurney and he has like this gag on his mouth and he pulls it out and it's like like three foot long down his throat it's like yeah oh you know he keeps pulling i'm like oh my god i was I was getting sick just thinking about it it's pretty nasty that, that final scene with kruger and max kind of went fast i don't know if you felt that it did um i thought it was a pretty cool scene it was but it was like when when kruger dies it's like it's he's dead it's not like a I think they were trying to wrap it up at that point. It seemed like that, didn't it? They they seemed a little rushed. Um, and like I said, I I did like some of the scenes when they were fighting, and you saw um, Matt Damon or Max use the railgun. Mm-hmm. That railgun was pretty awesome. Oh, that was that was pretty cool. The um, yeah, because you know, right after after Kruger dies, you know, they transfer the data. I love how how the computer code says population illegal, and he just backs it up and puts legal. Yeah. yeah it's like, it was like wow. a little too easy, right? Like really the code is that simplistic? <laughs> yeah. But of course, you know, Max because Max has it, the the code has a death program in it whatever, Max has to die because of this. 
I love how they reboot everything and the president walks in and arrest this man. It's like, we can't arrest him. He's a citizen. It's like, awesome. And then, you know, because the computer realizes that, you know, there are people on Earth that need medical attention. They dispatch all these shuttles to help them out. And the film ends like that, you know? Yeah, I mean, did, did you like the ending of the film or? I was happy with it. I don't think we needed to go any further into it. It kind of wrapped it up with a neat little bow. That's the only thing. Yeah. Except uh, for the part where, you know, Max dying. Well, yeah, and yeah, I kind of was thinking it was going to be like a love story there or something like that. Like him and uh, Frey were going to get together. Yeah, but I didn't believe that. Um, that was the only thing I guess I didn't like about the movie, the believability between those two characters. Mm-hmm. And I didn't get the little flashback stuff, um, maybe because it was the language barrier, but I didn't get the whole flashbacks of them as kids and all that. They were just kids growing up. They went their own ways, I guess. And uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, that part lost me. It took me out of it whenever they did that. It didn't add to the story at all. Yeah, you're right about that. Uh, what did you like not like about this film besides the stuff we talked about? Um, I like the world building that Neil Blomkamp did. I mean, he built a a world that I want to see more of. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Elysium world. Um, I guess I like I said the the what I didn't like is some of the character arcs um, between like Max and Frey. I didn't I didn't believe that at all. I didn't care for them. You know. Yeah, I, I got I got to agree with you on that. There was really no chemistry there. There's no chemistry. No, nothing to feel for those characters. I mean, like I said, I think the standout character is Kruger. I mean, mm. he is he is an awesome badass. Yeah. Um, I liked all the tech. I liked all the special effects. You know, that was the one thing I kind of didn't like. I think there was a little too much tech in this film. You think so? The fact there's this one scene where where the the shuttle gets knocked down. Carlisle's in a shuttle, and. Uh, Kruger, like he throws these things that stick on a guy and makes him explode. And all of a sudden they got these little drones they sent out and all of a sudden they're using these guns and then they're using all this. Like, there was like too much different tech going on within a few minutes of each other. Oh, okay. That scene when they were, they're chasing him and he goes hides in, in Frey's house, that, that part. Yeah. They kept like, there was like all this different tech going, Oh look, I got a shield now that comes up out of nowhere. Well, mm-hmm. oh, look, I can do It's like, eh, it's a little too much. They, they needed to back it up a little bit. Yeah. But there were some standout scenes, like um, when they are when Max is fighting uh, what's his name Kruger, and he's also fighting the droids, and then they have those exploding bullets, and mm. him ripping the head off was kind of cool. Yeah, that was some cool stuff. But I, I think they, there was, like I said, there was those those few minutes and those scenes there. There was just too much technology thrown into it. Mm-hmm. The other thing I didn't like is at the ending of the movie. Um, the whole thing about um, Carlisle is he's buying all these droids to Elysium, right? Mm-hmm. And you would think those droids would be used to attack uh, Max's character. You th- I, would, I thought they would like unleash an army of those things, right? You would think so because you they, use them, them. You, they use them as police officers, but maybe there's no police off. Well, there's a few police officers on the but the only uh, time you get you see like actual people fighting back that are uh, security is like the very last moment of the film when mm-hmm. Max is getting uh, downloading that information or uploading that information. That's the only time you see like security. And there was another thing that I thought it was a little ridiculous that you know Elysium is this nice, wonderful world, and then all of a sudden Kruger and his two guys just basically cause hell to break loose. Yeah, and. There's no uh, checks and balances against them, you know? Yeah. 
it was a little strange though. Um, yeah. But all in all, I enjoyed it. I I want to say I enjoyed this more than District Nine. Oh wow! Really? I, I'm the opposite on there. No, I think I enjoyed this more than District Nine. I think maybe because this took place in outer space a little bit more and stuff. Mm-hmm. I wish there was more Elysium stuff. Yeah. I wanted him to get to Elysium a little bit faster. Um, do you think the whole premise of Elysium is a little far fetched? Because, I mean, come on, the planet is huge. Do you really think the planet is that so overpopulated that they couldn't make their own little island? I don't think it was overpopulated. I think the fact that it was so dirty. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, couldn't they build their own little island that this is the rich people's island? You know, they didn't have to go all the way to space to do it. Yeah, but then you'd have to create some sort of shield to keep the air, the dirty air out, and all that stuff too. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I don't know. I just. I thought it was an interesting idea. Yeah. Um. But I, the one thing I was wondering though is, are is there a middle class? You know, I mean, we. See, I don't know. Yeah. We see like the poor, the very poor, and we see the very rich. What about the? There's got to be like a middle class in there somewhere. You never see them. Well, maybe it's it's kind of like like it is now, where you know the rich people are what the nanny. Are the one percent and right? Everyone else is the ninety nine. Yeah, I guess. I guess the ninety nine percent are all poor. <laughs> yes. No. Um, but yeah, I, I, out of five stars, how would you rate this thing? Um, I would say three and a half. Yeah, I'd go four. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, better than I thought it would be. Cool. Yeah. So I really enjoy. I'm glad you brought it to the table, and I'm glad we got to talk about it this week. Would you want to see a Elysium two? No. No, I don't think. Story. I think Blomkamp can go on and make another type of science fiction movie. Create, okay. create another. Well, world. he is making that one that Chappie. Okay, I don't know what Chappie is. I don't Look remember. It He's okay. gonna. It's gonna have a what's his name, Charlotte in it. Of course. Like that's his. That's his. That's his baby. That's like uh, what's his name? Oh God, <laughs> I can't think of the actor's name now. I have no clue who you're talking about, but there are there are. Well, people. Martin uh, Scorsese always uses uh, what's his name, Robert De Niro. Mm-hmm. That's that's his De Niro. Okay, but his De Niro is is a chameleon to me. The next film yeah. will be totally different than Elysium in, in District Nine. Right. You know, I think I I think that's what I like about this Chartol is that he he plays different characters. It's not like oh it's him again. Always oh, playing the same thing. And he was pretty much unknown before, uh, before District Nine. Mm-hmm. He was nobody before that. I'm looking. He didn't plan anything. Yeah. So uh, definitely go check out Elysium. It comes out Tuesday on DVD. Uh, and of course, join us if you can. If you enjoy the show, Almost Human on Fox tomorrow Monday, we'll be reviewing the next episode that comes out. And make sure you subscribe to the feed because Thursday Red Dwarf Series Four will be released. So here are our thoughts on the fourth year of that show. And um, we won't be around. Uh, we will be around next week. I lied. We will be around next week. We're going to um, do something a little fun. We're going to go. We're talk about the film Spaceballs. <laughs> you know, every so often we got to go off the rails a little bit. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, nothing well, wrong with that. We did that with some, Brazil. Yeah, we got to do something a little off the rails. So we're going to do Spaceballs next week. So make sure you join us for that. I want to thank my friend Brian Lee for being here. And Brian, where can we find you online? I uh, can always find me on Twitter. It's at Brian Says. Of course, you can always find us over at SciFiWatcher.com. If you want to order Elysium for your own collection, head over to the show notes at SciFiWatcher.com. Uh, go down there, click on the link. It takes you to Amazon. It uh, doesn't cost you anything extra, and it helps out the show. 
you want to contact us, there's many ways to do it. You could always leave us a voicemail at 813-915-6390 or email feedback at sayitproductions.com. If you're on the social media sites, please follow us, facebook.com slash sci-fi watcher, um, google.com slash plus sci-fi watcher, and twitter.com. We're over at sci-fi watcher. I want to thank everyone for downloading this week's episode. Until next time, have a good one. (laughs) 